investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and thanks for joining me for episode 10 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So winter is certainly coming uh, to Melbourne uh, and it's traditionally for the property market a a hibernation period, obviously with the colder months coming in, uh, school holidays which we're now well and truly entrenched in, um, gardens become a little bit more dormant uh, and the general activity around the property market is typically minimised. So a lot of things tend to go a little bit quiet, Uh, people reduce their activity But really, this shouldn't um, and doesn't need to be the case. And so depending upon what you're doing, you really don't want to be hibernating during this period. You need to be trying to maximize and getting ready for your next transaction, particularly if it's going to be um, within this calendar year. So we've been doing this for a long time, and we're obviously, from a selling perspective, helping a number of our clients that are looking to do things in spring um, get organized at the moment. So I wanted to uh, take a look at things from the selling side, but also what buyers can do during the winter months to either take advantage of activity at the moment or get themselves organized when the, um, the heavily supplied spring market does, does come into effect. Um, and that's, that's really what the smart participant does, is get themselves organized for when the next heavy supply period will be. So let's take a look first at the, uh, the vendor side of things. And as I've been saying quite regularly within the podcast, preparation is always key. Uh, and that really doesn't matter whether it's buying or selling. You really need to be organized and prepared. So obviously for anyone that's ever sold a property before, there's a hell of a lot of preparation that goes into to selling. It's not just a matter of sticking a, uh, a for sale board up out the front and, uh, and hoping for a good result. Uh, you need to do a lot of lead up work. And, and typically for most people, the first part is going to be uh, selecting an agent. Now, for people that may have been in a home for a long period of time, they may have a good understanding of, of who the active agents are in the area and who they particularly might like to choose. Um, but there's still it's still worth doing a lot of due diligence before making that selection. And that, that can involve uh, interviewing a number of agents to make sure that you're selecting the right ones uh, and perhaps getting two or three to put forward proposals, particularly if you don't feel as though you know who you really want to use, if there's a, a degree of uncertainty. Um, going through that interview process, having the agents put forward proposals uh, is really important and that enables you then to um, compare their commissions, although I have this discussion regularly, don't get too caught up just on the commission, it's important, but it's by no means the be all and end all. Uh, having the right agent will make up a, um, a quarter or a half a percent of a commission very quickly just by uh, their negotiation skills and their interaction with the buyers that they're, they're dealing with. Um, you can look through the other parts of the proposal will be what are their recommendations around the method of sale. Um, certainly the marketing is really important and making sure that uh, the marketing's focused on the property itself as opposed to the agency's brand. So these are all sorts of things and we, we can do another podcast on this, but um, things that need to be considered when you're looking at uh, selecting your agent and that is a time consuming process. So it's something that you can attack during the winter months. Presenting the property is is always something that's a, that's a big deal, and that's typically what most people from a selling perspective will be getting organized during the winter period. And there's a number of elements to this, which we'll go through. Um, firstly, is, is looking at the occupancy of the property. So clearly, if it's an owner-occupied, are you going to remain in the property during the sale campaign? Or as with a lot of people, they might decide to, decide to move out. Um, it can be quite stressful, particularly for, for people that are particularly house-proud. Um, 
wanting to make sure that the property looks immaculate uh, for every open for inspection. And that can be quite difficult if you're residing in that property, particularly if you've got children as well. So um, making sure that, uh, making that decision around whether or not you are going to stay or whether or not you might uh, decide to move out for the four week uh, campaign. Um, the other um, option then though is, well, is if you are selling an investment property as opposed to an owner occupied. Now, the thing there is you need to look at um, how your renter presents the property. So that may well, you may have a great renter in there who's been there for a long period of time, looked after your property extremely well. However, perhaps their furniture doesn't necessarily fit well with the property. It may be oversized. It may not look appropriate. Um, and it may therefore impact on uh, the saleability of your property. So that's certainly a consideration. And if you are looking to uh, serve a notice to vacate, um, there are a number of steps most notably is that you need to give at least a 60-day notice period uh, to um, plus a serving period to vacate the tenant. And in the, with the new new changes to the Residential Tenancies Act, you also need to uh, provide a copy of the authority. So there's a lot of things there that you need to get organised if you are looking to to move the tenant on. Um, the most common thing that we work with um, clients selling, uh, particularly homes, is. I would say 95 to 99% of, uh, of homes that we would assist with the sale um, will need to have some form of declutter done to them. It's just standard, uh, and that involves perhaps moving some furniture out uh, as it may make rooms a little more open and uh, easy easier to traverse, particularly if you've got a large number of people attending your open for inspections, which hopefully you will. Um, but getting that declutter process is important, but also removing some of the personal effects so that buyers can visualize themselves moving into that property and not feeling as though uh, it's someone else's home and feeling uncomfortable being there. So taking the personalization out of the home um, as part of that declutter process is certainly important as well. Now, repairs and maintenance are another thing that you can do during this time frame to get yourself organized and, and understanding um what needs to be done. But first and foremost, one of the important things is to understand where the value of your property lies. So if, for instance, you're selling a, uh, a home in a, in a middle ring suburb of Melbourne where the house itself really doesn't add a huge amount of value, the bulk of the land, maybe 90, 95% of the land, uh, the value is in the land, well, it's probably not going to be advisable to spend too much money on the, uh, on the house itself, uh, because there's every chance that it may well be demolished or the purchaser may well be looking to, uh, to renovate it extensively and so that the work that you do um, is not really going to add value. So understand where the value is and who your likely buyer is going to be um, and then spend money uh, where it's appropriate. So make sure that you're going to get return on investment. Spending a dollar to get a dollar back is not the way to go. Um, so understanding what where you'll get good return on investment is really important. So painting, carpet, and get, fixing up gardens can be really good starting points. But even little things such as light fittings, um, having consistent doorknobs all through um, a kitchen, uh, changing taps and even shower screens, it gives a real consistency going through the full home and uh, the whole home, and that that can make a uh, a big difference to the feel of things. Um, and then you need to determine when that work should be done. So from a declutter perspective, uh, that's not necessarily going to be time sensitive in that you can do it six months in advance if you would like to, providing you can still live in those um, in that house. But 
figuring out what is time sensitive and what's not versus say a garden where if you do a significant amount of work, the garden may well change by the time uh, you get, you're get you ready to uh, sell the property. Now you can give it a bit of a tidy up and, and a finish off closer to the date, um, but just understand that um, there may well be uh, certain works that are a bit more time sensitive than others. Uh, next step, particularly if you're going to be moving out, is then looking at getting styling furniture and things organized. So typically done in conjunction with the uh, agent that you've selected, uh, but they'll have a stylist that they would work with. Um, you would get them to come through, um, give a quote on the property, and focus on what they need to do. So how they're going to present certain rooms, um, are there differences of opinion as to how a property, some rooms should be presented. We had one recently where um, there was a nice sunroom at the rear, uh, but my client um, suggested and I thought was a really good idea, rather than setting it up as a sunroom sitting room, to set it up as a little study nook, particularly given um, work from home uh, requirements these days. It, it certainly um, set up the property well, and there are a number of um, comments made by prospective buyers when we did sell that property that uh, they thought that was a good option to be able to have uh, that flexibility. Uh, so getting that, that side of things done and, and working with the stylist to make sure, because particularly with homes, you know your home best. So you can give insights into uh, how it's worked well for you over a period of time and what you've utilized it for. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the best way to style the property during the campaign. Um, but it's certainly an insight for uh, for others that perhaps don't know it as well as you as to how it's worked well uh, while you've lived there. And then obviously the other things that, that need to be done in preparation for that sale in terms of organizing the timing of, of things is having the photography done, um, which is typically the last thing before loading things online, but also floor plans uh, that will need to be drawn up and add copy. Now, again, these will all be done in conjunction with your agent and they will lay this all out for you. But it's important to be mindful of all these things that need to be done before you get to the point of actually launching the property online. Now, what we've found um, works really well in the past is that it can, it can be a really good idea to work backwards. So, uh, you can select your auction date and then you can have your uh, agent provide you with a calendar of events so that you can lay everything out um, in terms of prep order of, of work required when it needs to be done. So, and once you do that, you'll be amazed to find how quickly things um, will be moving and how quickly time will get eaten up. So it is important. So pick that auction date. Um, and now typically we find in the spring market earlier is quite often better. Typically there's less supply, which obviously means less competition as a seller. So you don't have as much other stock around. Most, a lot of vendors with the spring market in mind um, hold off until around October with the mindset of it's warmer weather. And typically my garden will look a lot better during that time. But things to bear in mind too are that going earlier means that there's quite a lot, quite often a lot of pent up demand. Um, buyers that haven't had a lot of choice during the winter months uh, are really anxious to try and secure something and uh, will hit the market pretty well once good quality stock comes online in late August and early September. And we've also seen um, quite regularly that the clearance rate as spring progresses starts to drop off as the, the supply really picks up and the buying market starts to thin out, the clearance rate does start to, to pull back. So if you've gone earlier, you can quite often get some premiums paid. So once you've selected that, that end auction date, um, start to work backwards. So a typical auction campaign will go for about three and a half weeks or four weekends, four Saturdays. Once you've, you've picked that four weeks back from, from the auction date, 
about a week prior to that, you'll need to get the photography organized. Um, and again, this will all be laid out in this calendar of events, but it just helps to paint a picture. Um, the furniture, if you are getting it styled, is typically installed about a day or two before the photography is taken. Um, and then the repairs, maintenance, and, and works that need to be done um, are factored in again prior to that. Now, that's going to depend on a property-specific basis, depending upon the amount of work that needs to be done um, and the level that's involved. Now, if you're doing it yourself, there may well be you can control that to a degree. But if you're needing tradesmen to come in and, and organize things and, and carry out work for you, uh, then you'll need to book them in in advance. And, and I know from experience at the moment that tradesmen are heavily booked up. They've got a lot of work on. And so it's unlikely you'll be able to get them to come in straight away um, and, and do your painting or install some carpets or whatever might be required. So make sure you're, you're getting yourself really organized. So once you start to lay that calendar of events out, you can see how quickly, if you are particularly looking to sell in early spring, uh, time's going to get away. Uh, so it, it's really important to have that preparation organized. Um, but the, the benefit, particularly if you're looking at this from a, a two-stage strategy, which many people are, so when I say that I mean selling and buying um, and potentially selling first, the benefit of selling early in spring is that from a buying point of view, you then open up the balance of the spring market when it is um, heavily supplied to give you a lot of choice. Um, and if you time things right, you find the right property to buy as well, you sell successfully, there's every chance that you could be um, moved into your new property and, and be done with your, your old property all in time for Christmas, which would which would be a great result. Um, and the other thing that, that benefits that, that supply, as we said before, with that clearance rate starting to weaken, uh, sorry, uh, drop, the... Um, the market will likely start to plateau. Um, and if that happens, there could be some really good opportunities from a value perspective. And if you've achieved a premium selling earlier in the spring market, and then perhaps pick up something at better value later in the year, well, um, you're certainly well and truly in front. So that leads us to looking at things um, from a buying side of things and what, what a buyer can do going through the, uh, the winter months in preparation potentially for a, uh, a stronger supplied um, spring market and getting themselves organized. So the perception, as we've said before, is typically that the winter winter is low on supply. Uh, there's nothing to buy, no decent stock around. And traditionally, this is, is absolutely true. So if we look back, say, at um, 2019, I'm ignoring 2020 for obvious reasons. It was a bit of an aberration due to COVID um, and not necessarily following the traditional um, path and seasonal aspects that the Melbourne property market does have. So if we go back to the school holidays in 2019, which uh, the first weekend was the 29th of, um, of June. So what we're looking at here is the three weeks of the school holidays as well as the weekend after that. So the first weekend of the school holidays had 535 auctions. The middle weekend in 2019 had 388 auctions. The last weekend of the school holidays had 348 auctions, and the following weekend had 410 auctions. So numbers were light, which is typically the case going into that spring, that winter time. But there are still properties there, so some buyers would to continue to look. But traditionally, what we've seen is that buyers tend to regroup during the the winter months. Um, they'll review what they've done thus far, what's worked well, what they've liked, what they haven't. Uh, they might start to look at alternative suburbs. So if they've missed out on a number of things uh, during the uh, the autumn or even summer months, uh, perhaps we need to look at something a little bit different, go a bit further out, uh, or do we look at a different style of property? So um, rather than looking at a, uh, a traditional 
do we or uh, sorry looking at a period home do we go a bit further out and looking at a, a mid-century type home um, if we've been unsuccessful buying things renovated do we need to look at doing some work ourselves so perhaps regrouping reconsidering what's worked and what hasn't um, and then but but not necessarily giving up totally because there might be a little bit less competition around and there could be some opportunities but the regrouping is quite common through the winter now 2021 is looking very, very different to a traditional uh, winter time frame. Uh, if we look at that same four-week block this year, so the first weekend, starting the first weekend of the school holidays, uh, there was 1,580 auctions. The middle weekend is uh, proposed to have 1,160 auctions. The last weekend of the holidays is 1,120. And then the following weekend is 1,130. So in that instance, buyers just can't afford to be dormant and to have and to regroup. That that level of supply is more reminiscent of a spring market than it is a winter market. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for it, but it's partially to do with this. The, well, the strength of the market is partially to do with the fact that um, vendors have confidence. Um, they're seeing that buyers are still out there, that they're quite active, and they're wanting to take advantage of that. There's obviously some concern from a vendor's perspective that there could be further lockdowns, and so they need to take advantage of um, an active market at the present time uh, and not resting on their laurels. Um, but the other thing is that the recent lockdown that we have has condensed the supply levels. So vendors that were considering selling back in late May, early June um, have had to push campaigns back uh, a few weeks in order to conduct a proper clear campaign, not have interruptions from um, from lockdowns and allow buyers to be able to inspect their properties uh, appropriately uh, and feel confident to be able to bid at them and, and choose that as the, the property that they would like to buy. Um, so buyers really can't afford to, um, to have that dormant or that um, regrouping period during winter this year because you could very well miss out on your ideal property. So... The other option or the other um, part of it from a buyer's perspective is those that are looking to enter the market for the first time. So they haven't been looking um, thus far and are getting themselves ready to perhaps hit the spring market when traditionally this, the uh, the supply is, is much better. Uh, and what I would say to those, those buyers is there's a number of things that you need to get yourself organized for. Most important, might be the most boring, but it is the most important, is the finance element. Um, and any good mortgage broker at the moment will tell you that uh, it's a, it takes time to get those applications through. Um, the banks are, are, there's a lot of backlog there that needs to be worked through. And um, particularly if you're looking at purchasing a property within uh, at an auction, um, you'll need to get your finance pre-approved as opposed to um, buying something subject to finance. And that type of um, loan process is at the bottom of the queue. Uh, banks are prioritizing people that have got a signed contract in place um, as opposed to getting the pre-approval. So make sure you allow yourself enough time to be able to get organized um, and, and start filling out those forms as soon as possible and speaking to your broker to, to determine your max spend um, and uh, therefore then determine the type of property that you'll be able to focus your attention on and locations where you want to be. Um, it's really important to understand by communicating with your broker if there's going to be any restrictions around the type of property that you can buy. So some of those restrictions might look at things like the form of title. So if you're looking at an apartment, particularly some of the older style apartments, does your LVR um, change if you're looking at a strata versus a stratum or a company share? 
Now, I can go through those in greater detail at another stage, but those sorts of things need to be um, taken into account when you are looking at an apartment. Zoning, if you're looking, for instance, at um, maybe a warehouse-type property, uh, quite often, as you'd expect, they may not be in a traditional residential zone. They may be in a commercial or a mixed-use zone. Um, and that also may um, may alter your LVR through a um through the bank. So understanding that, are there restrictions on your on the size of the property that you can buy? So nothing less than 40 or 50 square meters. Or if you are doing that, um, there's, uh, there's other implications that will come into play as well. Um, and also, there's uh, a number of suburbs around Melbourne that some banks prefer to steer clear of because of uh, a perception of oversupply and, and that type of thing. So understanding if there are restrictions and just keeping the communication lines open with your um, a financial advisor or mortgage broker is really important as well. Um, if you're looking at it from an investor's perspective, uh, what type of entity, what entity you're going to hold the property in? So is it just in personal names, which is traditionally the, the case for an owner-occupier, or are you going to hold it in some form of trust, or are you looking to buy it in a super fund? All those things need to be considered. Other service providers that you need to be in communication with and have lined up um, include a, a solicitor or conveyancer, so that you can get the contract reviewed prior to. Um, putting any bids in or um, putting any offers in on a property. So making sure that they're in a position to be able to check the contract for you fairly quickly. Otherwise, you don't want to be waiting two or three days. It may put you behind the eight ball. You may miss a property. And a building inspector, if you're looking at a home, um, it's really important to uh, to get that sort of feedback. So those are the main things from a, a buyer's perspective in terms of getting your preparation and things in order. Uh, and also from obviously the vendor's point of view, as we spoke about earlier. So today's story, well, um, today I'm going to focus more of the story on the, the selling side of things, um, given that we're, when we're working from a buyer's point of view, nothing really ever stops. We're always looking, nothing changes from our point of view. So the selling side of things and getting that organization is really important. So that's what we'll focus on today. So we've got a property that we're helping some clients um, sell in the southeastern suburbs or looking to sell later in, uh, in well, early in the spring market. Um, and... This property's been an investment property for them over a number of uh, for a number of years. Um, it's got a, a it's a little bit dated in the service areas, but it's got a fantastic floor plan. Uh, as I said, it's been an investment, so the tenants have looked after it really well. But it will need upgrading, and that's likely to be the buyer, um, someone that will spend some money on it. Maybe not immediately, but it's certainly um, sometime in the next probably five years or so. So the pro- the the tenants that we held, the renters, I should say, that we had in there previously. Um, as I said, looked after the property, but their furniture didn't quite fit, and it needed some love and some work, some money spent on it. So, at that time, when when the um, owners came to us ready to sell, we uh, signed up an authority with an agent, um, and then uh, served no- a notice to vacate on the tenants. Now, expecting that that would mean that we wouldn't be able to sell the property until late September, um, with the the notice to vacate period uh, coming. Well, ending the lease uh, in late late August, so that was the expectation. But being also mindful that once we've served that notice, the tenants can respond um, in kind and move out uh, within fourteen days, which they decided to do. So they moved out a lot sooner than that that August date, which worked in well because it enabled us to get in there with um, some tradesmen. We've had quotes done to paint the property um, and change some floor coverings. Also, as I said before, doorknobs couple of taps we're getting the gardens re um 
not remodeled, I shouldn't say, but just tidied up, the front fence fixed up a little bit as well. So there'll be a number of works that'll get done over the coming weeks that will prepare us to uh, sell the property in uh, in late August, early September, which will work really, really well. And it's set, a, set us up well. We've got a stylist that'll come in once all that work's done, then the photography. Um, we'll have it all uh, styled, photographed, floor plan, ad copy done by early August, which will then mean that we can... Uh, get things up online and have a successful sale uh, in September. So it's it's getting that planning done during these winter months and getting it all coordinated and organized so that we can hit the market at the time that we want and where we feel we'll get the best result um, for the sale of that property. So um, thanks again. That's, that's it for today. Um, it, thanks for joining me for episode 10 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. Feel free, as we always say, to share the, um, the podcast with friends and family. We want to try and get this circulated uh, as much as possible and provide us with some um, reviews uh, where possible. Um, if you'd like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And we wish you all the best with your property decisions.